Layla, welcome. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me here. Well, I am so excited to finally have you. We're a big fan of your work, and it's about time we got you on the show. So welcome. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. So excited that we can make it happen now. We've been in each other's stratosphere for a while, and I'm so grateful that now we kind of grounded each other, and here we are. <laughs> amen. Amen. So yeah. I'm going to start with you know a big question, if you will. Spiritual health. How do you define spiritual health? Spiritual health for me is the state of your overall holistic self. It is knowing that the mind body are one and within that oneness, the spirit chooses to embody that, who that is, who the mind body is at this time. Spirituality uses that as a vessel. And so for me, that's how I've looked at it and that's how I continue to look at it. And that's how I practice it. Well, you're preaching in the choir. We're mind, buddy, green. One word, not three. All connected. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> All connected. All connected. And, and, and another term you use quite frequently, which I love, is higher vibrational self. So what does higher vibrational self mean to you? It's the part of us that is sovereign and free from our titles, from our thoughts, from our surroundings, even from our environment, even from this body. The higher self is this awareness, this consciousness that, again, I use the word embodiment because that's really what it is in this experience. It embodies who we are. We do have to make space for it to show up and we do have to connect with it to know it's there and, and even to use it. But it's this presence that we can tap into and it allows us to evolve and grow wherever we are and to know that there's something bigger than just what we see with linear time. Linear time is such a trap. <laughs> it's such a trap when we don't keep in mind that there is a bigger process happening and we are a part of it and that our higher self is always guiding us to be in alignment with that. So I love that. I think our entire audience is loving that right now. But then the question <laughs> goes to, okay, how do I get there? So yeah. Okay. What are those practices that help us tap into our higher vibrations, if you will? Yeah. The number one thing that is essential would just be to spend time in solitude, in stillness. We have to have a way to shut out the world and to even stop the swirling mind, the swirling thoughts that go throughout the day. We are always being activated. Our attention is being pulled on. There's distractions. And so if we can just cut off the devices, maybe even the music, music is one of my favorite medicines, but even that sometimes has to take a pause so I can just be in my sovereignty in solitude. And in solitude is where we truly can hear thoughts that will only come through in that solitude space, in, the, in that sacred space, that stillness. And so your higher self is often found in places of solitude. And even so to the point I talk about in my book, the metaphorical terrains, and there's one in particular called the desert. And the desert represents the wilderness. And it's a place often where if we don't go on our own, we will be nudged there, even, even dragged into it, <laughs> so to speak, because we do need time in solitude. And it's where things are appearing maybe not for our good, but they ultimately are where they're stripped away and we're forced to be in the stillness. So we can choose to do it on our own. Or again, sometimes life just gives us that friendly, loving nudge into that place um, so that we are able to tap into who we are and hopefully 
add a little more of that higher self into the process of wherever we are. So is that literally going to the the desert or is it, you know, mm-hmm. finding space in your small apartment that's quiet away from your, you know, partner or kids to just have alone time or going for a walk in the park? Like literally, like what yeah. is, I'm curious, what does that mean specifically for you? And then what does that mean for all of us listening? Yeah, it absolutely, I do want to say it absolutely can be both. Like I'm in the space now where I am craving the desert. So it can be a place where it's this longing within yourself to go to a geographical location, a certain type of terrain, or it could be where you just notice that you're wanting more solitude in your social life. You're wanting to be home more maybe or out more, but alone. You're looking to even declutter your space there. So solitude isn't just in our social life. It can be personal. Like I'm, re- I'm call- being called to get rid of things in my home, to minimalize, to clean up. So it's this ba- space where you can invoke the presence of this terrain and it can be metaphorical. So for me, a lot of times on my journey, it is metaphorical where it's just throughout the day, there has to be some type of pause, some type of solitude and stillness, even just to decompress, maybe an extra few minutes in your car before you go into your home, maybe a few minutes quietly eating lunch in a new space that's no one you know is there. So yeah, we can find it in different ways. And that's the beautiful thing is that the inner world can totally reflect the outer world. There's the storm, the mountain, the ocean. We've experienced these things in a metaphorical way through our mind, emotions, and energy, but also they are physical terrains in weather outside. So just knowing that we can bring those in, they can, we can go into them metaphorically, but they can be physical terrains that we long for as well. Yeah. So trust those longings to even be in a certain space. Nature is always calling to us. <laughs> and for you, is it always the desert or is it change location? It changes. It, the, the desert is, I talk about in my book that you will have a particular terrain that you just naturally, it's like you're, it's part of your nature. And so knowing your true nature, I'm naturally an introvert. So I am drawn to stillness and and quietness and alone time. And it wasn't until I understood this about myself that I was able to journey in grace with that because I thought something was wrong for so many years. And I would be put in social settings where I just didn't connect. I didn't feel okay, but I would be there because I thought that was the thing to do. That was the nicer thing to do, the kind thing to do. Meanwhile, I was like hurting inside, struggling to be there. But once I found my true nature and allowed myself to be there, I started to thrive. So I would be with people who understood what I needed, also understood solitude, and then also started finding places in nature where I could be still and be alone and give this part of me a place to thrive and be and live without judgment. And so as an author, you know, we spend a lot of time in solitude and again, creating a lifestyle that went with this nature. Um, I was allowed to thrive and even have my business. So yeah, I think that it is one place that we long for uh, that calls to me the most. But sometimes there is a place where I have to put myself into the mountain right now, (laughs) honestly, transparently. I'm putting myself in a mountain because I'm relaunching my online school. We're recreating that. And it is 
literally like climbing up a mountain. And so that's where you're doing a, heart, a lot of the hard trekking, the work, you're having to bring a lot of skill to it. You don't kind of know what's over on the other side, but you're having to climb and really do the work. And so that's a place where I get out of my cozy desert because I don't want it to co- become a comfort zone to where I can't perform in these other areas of my life. And so again, that's the balance of all these different metaphorical terrains that we go through to not allow it to keep us there in fear or in silos too long, but to know when to come out and have a holistic experience. I I love the metaphor of the desert, of the mountain. Let's go to all, let's go to the ocean. Let's go to the forest. I want to hear all the metaphors. So how do you think about spending time in in those different terrains, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so the desert is where you feel like your life is stripped away. Maybe things are stripped away. Relationships are stripped away. You don't see it, the thing coming or happening. And you feel like you don't have resources. Now that's the low vibrational side of the desert. There is a high vibrational side of each one of these terrains and weather. And that would be where you do feel like you're spending sacred time alone in solitude, and even maybe having a higher spiritual connection and experience with your creator, your divine. And it's a powerful place where you're able to create and transformation takes place there. It's also the liminal space. The wilderness is also the place between where you used to be and where you're headed, that middle passage where a lot of people choose to give up if they don't realize they have the skill and if they don't understand what that maybe even dark night of the soul, if we are allowed to call it that, is there. It happens a lot of times in that desert. And then once we realize that this is a terrain for our good, we're able now to use this to empower ourselves while like since I'm here. I'm going to empower myself in a high vibrational way. And then there's the mountain. The mountain is the low vibrational side of it is where you feel there's a blockage. There's something in your way. You can't get around it. No matter what you're doing, you can't get it to move, to shift. And it feels like maybe you're not even qualified enough. You keep having to go around and around. And even you could maybe even feel like it's, I say in my book, it's the place where, or the thing you feel like you're going to have a nervous breakdown over. That's the mountain. It's really heavy. And, but once we allow ourselves to get, to attain the skills, we're able to climb that mountain with time, with grace and mindfulness. And we get to the top and we have new perspective. We can see, we have a bird's eye view now. And we're like, oh, we've gained so much strength because of the work it took us to get up that toiling, that, that struggle, right? We also gained a new muscle. There's the fog. The fog is when you can't see your way clear. It's when you don't know all the way, but you have to move anyway. And you're like, okay, maybe I'll stop for a minute and I'll have better vision if I apply. And I say light, you bring a lot more light into focus. What are the things that help illuminate your path? And that's teachings and maybe counseling and help looks different for all of us, but bring in help, allow yourself to be still in the fog until the fog clears or until you can see a little better. And once the fog clears, we have a new understanding. We have a clearer path to take. And then there's the ocean. The ocean represents the high and low tides in our lives, things that affect us high vibrationally and low vibrationally affect the emotional state, our consciousness, and even our subconsciousness. And the ocean, when it's high, when it's high tide, we kind of can think about things that are really um, causing a lot of turbulence in our life, maybe instability. We're trying to surf and we're trying to keep our balance. And at the same time, we're trying to 
also surf our own emotional state and keep it at a safe balance so that we're not capsizing or falling off our our life emotional surfboard, (laughs) if we will. And the low tide is when things seem calm and, and manageable and very soothing. So there's, again, there's all these metaphors of the ocean and that ocean also represents how we're navigating life. Do we feel like we're the boat that is drifting off in with no particular destination in mind? Or are we navigating in our power and our awareness to where we want to go? Have we taken control? Have we become the captain of our lives? And so those are a little bit about what these terrains and weather represents. Oh, there's the storm, the storm. I have to talk about the storm. Okay. So COVID, COVID was the storm. So the storm comes, we had no time to prepare. It just, it just appeared in our lives and shifted things around to the point to where we do feel unstable. It took us time to adjust. Maybe you didn't have things in place to prepare for the storm. You didn't have time to get everything in order, but here we are in the storm and we're having to make the best of what this is. And after the storm, usually storms in nature come to stabilize the atmosphere. And so metaphorically speaking, whatever storm you go through, how can I come out of this more stable, more sound and more grounded and with more skill? And COVID has definitely done that in so many ways. I love it. So in in hearing you speak, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know what this says about me, but I've always been drawn to a a slight hill, some elevation (laughs) with a clear view of maybe of some body of water that's serene and calm, not the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So to to me, that's peace, that's Shangri-La being some sort of elevation, but not too high. Right. You know, a gentle slope and elevated where I can see everything and there's a body of water out there that looks pleasant. Totally. Maybe a nice sunset. Yeah, you know, and with my, with the relaunching of my online school, there's more metaphorical terrains and weather coming and that <laughs> <laughs> the hill and then the body of water, because what water can represent so many different things. But yeah, but even if we're able to escape and visual through visualization, put ourselves into these environments, these terrains, even weather that are able to calm us and we're able to really be in our own true nature, right? When we're in this setting, if we can't even do it geographically, especially right now, then we can escape there and find refuge there in our practice, in our meditation visualization practice. I love it. So I'm going to bring it back to your book and the concept of vibration, more specifically the title of your book, Vibrate Higher Daily. So can you talk a little bit about the why behind Vibrate Higher Daily? I had a journey that it seemed so fragmented how I had to heal myself. I was having to learn about healing through foods. And once that happened, there was the healing of my connections with friends. Then there was the healing of how I created space in my home, the environment I wanted to live in, thinking about that. There was also the work I did in the world. Was my work fulfilling me? And how did I How would I show up now knowing that the work I was doing, it was providing for me, give thanks, but it was not allowing me to feel fulfilled. And so I knew that was also a part, all of these things were a part of my healing journey and the level I had to learn about what energy and vibration were in all of these different aspects, even in the way I was viewing at the world, what I was watching on the television, entertainment, the type of people I was following online on social, 
I started to see that it was all connected because I was consuming all of this in some way. It was feeding who I was as a person. It was either nurturing or depleting who I was as a person. And so I started to understand that behind all of this, it was vibration and understanding that vibration can either be high or low. And that vibration is the universal language of everything on the planet. And so I remember wanting to have a book like this to read on my own. And I was like, I'm just going to create it myself. But I created my website and my website looked like a book at, at first. And so once I had a literary agent who found me through my website, she was like, your website is a book. <laughs> and so we ended up taking a lot of that down and it went into the book. And so this is really for people who are looking to understand their life on even an atomic level. Like if we zoom all the way in, what is this life about? It's about energy, frequency, and vibration as Nikola Tesla has taught us so well, has left us with that beautiful teaching of truth. And so it's a way to read your read into your life from a different angle besides what it appears to be the things that usually make us take things so personally in our lives, just understanding that it's not even personal. It's just the law of the universe that we live in. Everything is run by these things that govern us ultimately, which comes down to vibration. And so, yeah, that's what it is, I would say. So energy you know, at a personal level, I think about relationships and how we connect with people in real time. And so much has to do is the energy we bring, the energy we were met with, the energy, how we react to potentially that energy, if you will. And you mentioned connections and you talk about surrounding yourself with people, you enhance your energy and you bring your soul medicine. And so can you talk a little bit about soul medicine and how do we find these people? Because I think everyone wants to, and we've all got people in our lives, some for better or for worse, some we're kind of, you know, have to make do with, uh, so, some we don't. Yeah. So let's start with soul medicine and how do we identify the type of people who enhance your energy? And on the flip side, identify the people who don't and what do we do with them? Yeah. So soul medicine is what helps us carry on in a way that we feel like we're thriving. It is energizing us, it's animating us to be in our power. It feels like nurture, it feels like home frequency, if we can use that word. <laughs> I, I love using the word home frequency. And I say, if we can use that word, because I wanna, this work is very universal. So whatever walk of life you come from, you know, put that word there, but your home frequency also is just like Dorothy and the Wiz. It's that place of homeness, you know, home, coming back home to yourself. I, I was going to say homeness, if that's a word even. But yeah, it's that place of feeling like you're home and you're grounded and centered. And so relationships can help us feel this. And I always say the right people for you will bring medicine to your soul. And that's how you'll know. The people who are not for you and maybe not for you in this season or maybe long term will deplete you of that. And you'll feel like you're always, there's an imbalance there going on in the relationship. Maybe you're giving more than you're receiving. Maybe you feel like you're dumbing down in the situation. You're being judged. You're looked at with a critical eye. You're even looked at as being on the wrong path. Maybe you wanted to express your true nature. You're not allowed to. If there's no understanding for that, no compassion for what you're going through, no, no real engagement of who you are in just a beautiful, sacred way of a human, right? Having this beautiful experience. So 
if you don't have that, these would totally be what I say, not the wrong person as far as judging them as beings, but the wrong person for you. And we're looking at this as chemistry. I talk in my book about being the chemist of your life. So the same as a chemist would know how to mix compounds in a laboratory to create a solution, other compounds together mixed would create a toxin and a poison. So we want to understand as the chemist of our life, who are the right people? Who are the right um, energy? What's the right energy match for who I am in this season, this part of my life, and for who I'm trying to show up and be as? And when we look at the, the Buddhist tenets, Virtuous friends are important because the Buddha was, there's a story where the Buddha was asked how important and what percentage basically are, is friendship relationships. And he says a hundred percent because these people are going to influence you. Basically I'm, I'm giving the modern Layla <laughs> translation here. I love but it. These people are going to be who you are journeying with, who you're doing life with. They're going to influence you. And so what is that influence? Therefore, who you're around makes all the difference in the world. So if we can be around people who bring us soul medicine, they're going to be our virtuous friends. They're going to be our sangha, even our spiritual community who are able to remind us of the path we're on, our goals, and not further distract us off of that and sit with us when life is heavy and help us as the Bill Withers song, you know, lean on me. Sometimes we have to lean on them. They have to lean on us, but it's creating this beautiful, safe community is just so important. We're in an ecosystem. We're social by nature. And so understanding that if we're going to be social to create intentionally a social environment that helps us thrive is very important. And to feel empowered if you have to make a decision to cut people out, to do it with love and grace and know it's not personal, it's vibrational. And you're doing the best you can for where it is life is attracting you toward And those social relationships are going to be a part of that. So, so much of your message is a message of empowerment. And in your book, you help readers live their power. And so what does it look like to live our power? And in your opinion, what are some of the obstacles that prevent us from living our power? Yeah, I would definitely start with what, what, distracts us from living our power or even realizing that we have power is a lot of the collective consciousness. If we get really deep in that sticky place, remembering that we also are sovereign beings having a collective experience. And so if we tend to over inundate ourselves with the headlines and the news and maybe even a community who also aren't living their power, we forget that we have power. We forget that we can be the one to even be the candlelight that lights the environment up and that maybe we can be the virtuous friends in the community. We can be the one, the beacon. And so when we live our power, we're able to be sovereign wherever we are. We're able to live in a place of equanimity, poise, and inner peace that no matter what's going on around me, I can hold my own unique signal. I can show up as a helper. I can show up as a first responder, even if that's necessary. And I can show up with my own medicine, the medicine that I bring to the planet, whether these are gifts. And a lot of times our power is taken away through well-meaning people, and maybe sometimes not, you know, dumbing our light down because of their own insecurities. Maybe there's some type of fear that if they see you having a certain level of joy, success, that they'll, that'll highlight that they're not doing it or that they don't have access to it. So a lot of times we're put in this position 
to be oppressed by well-meaning people because we're trying to maybe one, you know, gratify this, the relationship, but also to satisfy this person and to not make them feel lesser when the most beautiful thing we can do is shine our light as Marion Williamson has has coined the term so beautifully. Once we shine our own light, we give others permission to do the same. And it's the same thing with your inner power. When people can see a person in their inner power, especially close to them, you become a beacon and a light that a lot of times only comes from people who are on television, maybe online as influencers and and celebrities. But Choosing to be this powerful beacon and stand in your own power not only helps your own community and the people in it do the same, but it also helps to always say doing you is what helps heal you. It helps to also further along your own healing and um, the raising of your own vibration. In some ways, hearing you speak, it, it sounds to me it's a mindset shift and it's moving to operating from a space of abundance yes, and, and not in a space of scarcity. That's it. And it's subtle. Yeah. Something I, maybe this isn't the best example, but I use it all the time and it came to mind hearing you speak with nutrition and diet, which we talk a lot about in the podcast. I always prefer, you hear people talk about cheat, cheat meal, cheat day. Mm -hmm. I don't like cheat meal, cheat day. I like treat. Oh, I love, oh, that's lovely. So it's not a cheat. It's a treat. (laughs) Treat day. Wow. That just made my soul so happy. I hear that too, because I didn't have a word for a cheat day either. So I, I yeah, love it. treat. It's a treat. It's a, a treat. treat. Yeah. And it's like it's operating from a space of love and joy and abundance versus guilt and shame and scarcity. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important, especially with food. So self care yeah. is a tough one for a lot of people. Twenty twenty and twenty one, it hasn't been easy for so many. And I'm curious, how do you prioritize self care? What are some of your rituals? Life gets busy. I know you're busy. So, so what does self care look like? And specifically, what does it look like when you're just short on time? Yeah, it's so important to create space again, for that desert experience. And even if it's just five minutes of stillness, again, in your car, your car is going to be the most convenient place. If you're a very busy person, your car, maybe it's even the shower, but finding when you know that you are away from, I would say work, the collective space, maybe even cooking, we can get away in our mind, even by saying, I'm not going to cook and think about my deadlines, my lifelines, whichever one you choose to call it, the work, the situations, the conversations, and just focus maybe on the joy of cooking so we can find relief. And a lot of the things, if we just really bring our presence to that, maybe you're taking a shower, you really enjoy taking a shower in the moment, the water, you're giving thanks for the water. This water is feeling so good and soothing. You're driving in the car. I'm giving thanks for vision and for this vehicle I'm in. Turn to gratitude. So that's a way also to just sit in stillness and self-care when you're very busy. But if you're busy, I definitely suggest spending time because the more that you're putting out, it has to be important to make sure that there's input coming in to help you live in balance and live in this space of not always being depleted and giving back to yourself. And that's what self-care is. It's just giving back to when you're pouring out, creating balance in your life. And now there's so many different ways you can do that when there's nature to always access, there's just stepping out of your front door, taking a few breaths, grounding, prayer, meditation. And meditation 
doesn't have to be 20 minutes. Meditation could be one minute. If, if you have one minute of just mindful breathing, bringing the parasympathetic into focus and allowing that to take a few minutes of your day in that time. And you'll notice when you come out of these moments of, of focus within that you're able to go a little further. And so maybe if you don't have 20 minutes collectively, maybe those small little pockets of one minute here, two minutes here throughout the day of just having intentional time for yourself could be a way of self-care. So you mentioned meditation, uh, solitude, nature. What, what else do you do to nourish your mind and body? Music is, I would say, the number one medicine for me, listening to oh, wow. me. And when I say music, even nature is music to me. The sound of waves, that's music. Water, thunderstorms, those are all nature's music. I love listening to that. It really just brings me back into center, into focus, and it just soothes me, my my soul so much. So I, I'm really aware of keeping that medicine throughout my day, whether it's playing in the background or if I need to access medicine, that medicine, I have it nearby. I create playlists to do this. Also binaural beats are important to me in order to uh, have brain entrainment going on. If I know I want to create or calm my mind down maybe to a meditative state and I'm really having a hard time with my thoughts swirling around, I know that I need to go into alpha and I'll put on binaural beats that help bring up alpha brainwave state. Or if I need to create and it's like, oh, I want to do creative expression now as a form of self-care or personal time, I'll put on theta, theta waves. And so knowing that this is my medicine, I hold close to that. Also, movement works for me a lot. I always say motion moves emotion. And so just moving out what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing through dance, movement, stretching, really does it for me, even walking. Okay. So you mentioned Bill Withers. I love Bill Withers. You said you have a playlist. So I'm dying to know what is on your high vibrational playlist. Can you give us a couple tunes? Yeah. Okay. So I have two. I, I have one playlist that even people, the music I just mentioned, the high vibrational music, I have an energy cleanse playlist on Spotify that you can follow. It's over a hundred songs on there of this type of music, binaural beats, sophageal frequencies, sound, nature sounds, so what's the name? Right, we're, we're, you got to say it again because everyone I know is dying. Everyone's going to go to Spotify <laughs> right now. So what's the name of the playlist? Energy Cleanse okay. by Leila Delia. Yeah, Energy got Cleanse. It. That will carry you through. <laughs> you, you have, you and through. I'm serious. You mentioned Bill Weathers. Do you have like one, one go-to song that just does it for you? And I know it may change, but is, is there just one you find yourself going to? Yes. There's Lean On Me is probably my one of my favorite songs, I would say because it reminds me just the way that I live my life about community. All of his songs are just, it's like sitting with your favorite uncle and he's just nourishing you and loving on you. And he actually has a song about being an uncle that I think is so beautiful as well. But Lean On Me is, if we had one song for humanity that we put in the time capsule that's in space, like keeping our memories, it would be that song because that really reminds us that I might have to bear the burden one day, but it might be you, but lean on me. I'm just up the road and all that talk, right? That warm soul Southern talk is just so comforting. And I think that we we have to remember that holding space and just showing up for people and just being with people, being for people that you care about and love and that need someone to lean on is just powerful medicine and a powerful way to also slow down your own life and show up for someone else. And a lot of times we find, like the song says, is that it's when you show up for other people, sometimes that's your medicine. 
that's the medicine that's been missing. So who can I show up for? Who can I hold space for? And what community can I create culture around um, being present in, in a supportive space, a virtuous friend? Well said. And a fun fact, Lean On Me was my elementary school graduation song. So it has a soft spot in my heart. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think our national anthem should turn to that. (laughs) I know. Well, look, touching on that, look, we live in an interesting time, to say the least. And and what I say a lot is, without a doubt, the world needs healing. And I think the world needs compassion. And so everything starts from within. How, How can we become more compassionate with ourselves? Yeah, with ourselves is to journey in grace just knowing that we go through so much as an energetic being throughout the day. Our subconscious mind is a sponge and everything we have been through is collected there. And it's there within us. We're journeying with it. And to know even that, that even when you don't make the best decisions, when you can't find your way forward to understand that there is a reason, it's not just in your head. This is something that scientifically is happening within you. Your subconscious mind is guiding you. And until we live with awareness that this is even the case, and then we're, we live in meta-awareness even of being aware of what we're aware of, we can learn to start changing these patterns within ourselves and getting help and offering ourselves the relief that we've been looking for and, and searching maybe in all the wrong places. And sometimes we don't know where to turn. But again, when we just turn to ourselves and just live in grace, that's such a powerful medicine to offer to ourselves. And the days that you want the treat meal, journey in grace, the days when you don't keep the goals and you don't do the self-care practice that you had planned, journey in grace, of uh, the day when you maybe say something unkind and, and unmindful, journey in grace. It's loving yourself through it, wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing, and then to vibrate higher from there. Amen. Amen. So much of your message is about personal growth and, and trusting the process. As I said to you before we started, I, my wife, Colleen, and I are huge fans of, of the words trust the process. It's literally neon art from our friend Olivia Steele in our house. So like we love trust the process. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how do you work with that in your own life? And what do you think drives your passion around personal growth and trusting the process? Reminding myself that every time that I went out of what was good for me, (laughs) it did not work. (laughs) It did not work. When I tried to think that the divine was taking too long in my life, or I could just help the divine here and let me manipulate the situation, the process a little bit here and there on the way to make it a quicker process, it never worked out in my favor. And so I started to learn just the sacred art of patience and understanding that even impermanence, even I think when we understand these principles like impermanence, that things are passing, even fading, and that we are evolving, we're supposed to grow. And where I was stuck in a mindset of wanting things to be a certain way, where I was rigid, even learning to flow there. And so trusting the process was so important for me to stay in my equanimity when the process would come and I wouldn't know my way or I wouldn't have all the answers, maybe even the support to make me feel secure or stable in the process to understand that they would show up eventually if I just slow down, move it, get out of the way and trust the process. And it's this just divine trust that for me, when I think about the divine and the most high, as I call it, is the best knower, is the best planner. And if I can just be the student and the devotee of that plan, I'll be in the best place, the safest place. 
you know, it reminds me, Colleen and I were watching a Netflix docu-series recently about uh, great coaches. And one of the coaches profiled was Dawn Staley, who's the women's basketball coach at the University of South Carolina. She talks about her journey and almost winning a national championship and then ultimately getting there. And she had a great line, which reminds me of what you were just saying. And she said, delayed does not mean denied. Ah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's like a Bible verse, but it's this idea of sometimes yeah. delayed, d- delayed does not mean denied. Right. Um, absolutely. It's powerful. Yeah. So to close, look, I have goals. I'm sure you have goals. We work hard. You have milestones. You like to reach them. And sometimes you can do everything you can and things change. And it's easy to, uh, get caught up here in your own personal passions and some of the goals you have and not be able to take a step back and think about the bigger picture. In theory, it's great, but it's not, it's very difficult to do when you're in the thick of it. I think a lot of people struggle with that. So in, we all learned a lot from 2020, at least I hope we all learned a lot. And we're all hoping for a big 2021, 2021, I'm calling it is going to be a year of transformation. And so mm-hmm. Yeah. For our listeners who really want to have a transformative 2021, want to make the most out of this year, what is your number one piece of advice? I would say to remain in your equanimity because the storms will come. The mountain may show up on the way. You may have to go through the wilderness and you may find yourself at the ocean. So wherever you find yourself, know that in that place, There is a way that you can tap into your higher self to higher vibrations. And when you show up trusting the process, you're able to then stay in your equanimity. And it's this place of inner poise and peace that no matter what's happening, I'm home with myself. And and whatever home, the environment of home looks like, home is within. So now the environment around you can become a place that you're able to cultivate and thrive in even there because you have these skills that you're looking at within, within. And when you really tap into within from the inner peace, from the poise, from the composure, you're also able to now access higher thoughts, uh, higher solutions, because you're not living in fight or flight. You're not in resistance. You're in flow. And it's so powerful to, to allow um, flow to have space in your life and in rigidness to, to have a place to exit. And when we do that, we're able to grow. And I think that if anything, 2020 has taught us to know that the, the, the fact that life can change at any moment beyond all of our goals and beyond, beyond all of our plans. And that if we just hold on, trust the process and know that there is a part of us that we can still access, which is higher self, our equanimity, that we'll be okay. And many of us came into this feeling like, how are we going to survive and thrive? But we found our way. We were able to calm our nerves after a while, and we were able to find our way. As we do, we are adaptable by nature and we journeyed in grace. We journeyed in grace. And so if we can go forward with journeying in grace and live in our equanimity, I think that's just going to be so important. Let's do it. I'm sold. Layla, thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much to the whole Mind Body Green community. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.